Let me ask you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 18. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, in the Pew Bible in front of you, you can find that on page 904. 904. I think you'll find that uh, following along makes it easier to, uh, to keep track of where we're headed with this. And we're going to pick up with the 28th verse. And just a reminder, um, we had Jesus' betrayal, his arrest, which uh, last week we called it his surrender rather than arrest, uh, with the point being that it never would have happened if he hadn't surrendered. Uh, we see the denials of, of Peter, and then the first two of his trials. His trials were, were religious trials at that point, uh, be, before a former high priest, Annas, and uh, the present high priest, Caiaphas. And uh, that's where we got to uh, last week, and, and those trials were going on while the denials of Peter were, were taking place, and the, the scene would go back and forth between those. So now we pick up with verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the, the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? After he'd said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, 
I find no guilt in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you once again, by the power of your Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. You have preserved this historic account of what took place. Every detail is there because you wanted us to to know of it. And so, will you tell us why? Will you apply it to our hearts and to our minds and to our, our, our souls, our very lives, we ask for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, I, I want to give to you a trivia question as a a conversation starter for your next Christian cocktail party that you (laughs) attend. Or Super Bowl, if you're going to be with others outside our church, you can can bring this up. Here's, Here's the question. Who's the only unbelieving Roman ruler mentioned in any of the great Christian creeds that are recited by the church down through the centuries? Yeah, well, I know, I I told you that on the city, but not everybody's going to know that. Yeah, it's, it was only Pontius Pilate. And it's from what? The Apostles' Creed, right. Uh, In the Apostles' Creed, here's what we say. He was conceived, speaking of Jesus, by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. There you have this crucial one sentence, and it mentions the Holy Spirit. It mentions the Virgin Mary. Those are easy to figure out. Why in the world does it then mention Pontius Pilate? Well, most, most commentators, most historians would say the reason he's mentioned there is to show this was a historic thing that took place. Pilate was a, a real governor. Everybody knew that. And most see Pilate as uh, the face of the human judgment in the history of redemption. When you think about Jesus and his trials, the tendency, even though he had other trials with the high priest before Herod, the tendency is to think of Pontius Pilate. Now, To understand what was going on here, uh, we need to understand a little bit more about uh, his his reign as as governor there. And for the most part, 
We don't get this from Scripture. There's not a lot of detail about him from the Scripture, but uh, as I say, he was a historic figure, and the historians of the day uh, documented what uh, his governorship was like and the kinds of things that went on, both Jewish historians and secular historians. And that might help us to understand why we see this really disrespectful uh, interchange between him and the Jews. Not between him and Jesus, but between him and uh, the Jews that brought Jesus to him. So let me tell you a few of the things that, that, that happened. Um, first of all, Judea, where they were, was not considered to be a great assignment okay, from the Roman Empire. And, and the main reason it wasn't considered to be a, a great assignment, I guess the weather was fine and, and all that, um, but the Jews were not easy to get along with. They didn't like what was going on with uh, the Romans. And uh, they tended to, to give a lot of pushback against uh, the, the Romans. So if you got assigned to be the governor of Judea, it wasn't like everybody was saying, oh, you lucky Pontius Pilate, you. It was like, okay, well, have fun in Judea. Pontius Pilate. I don't know whether you call them by their first and last, but. So uh, one of the first things he did when he was appointed as, as governor, uh, and this would be a few years before the scene uh, we have here, um, one of the first things he did, the first big mistake, I think, was uh, he comes to Jerusalem and he brought the Roman standards in there, like the big flags and so on, that had images of Caesar on them, and he put them around town. The Jews didn't like that. In fact, they liked it so little that they were going to protest it. And the way they protested was by a sit-down strike or at least that's what we would call it now. They surrounded his house, sitting down, and they stayed there for five days. Now, at that point, he said, okay, well, you're going to do that. I'm going to bring in the soldiers, and they're going to cut your heads off. The Jews responded by laying down and stretching out their necks and waiting for their heads to be cut off. He flinched. He took down the standards, and the respect for him went down a notch. He did other things. He tried to do that again in the temple and yeah, I guess you can imagine that went over even uh, less well. Um, he took uh, some money uh, from the temple to build an aqueduct. Now, they needed the aqueduct, but to take money from the temple for that, that was not taken well by the Jews either. And... 
in order to deal with that, he killed some Jews, which caused even more trouble. There were other incidences which we don't, uh, there's no real reason. You get the idea that he had these conflicts go on, but, but typically what happened was that he ended up being embarrassed. He'd take a stand, and then he'd have to back off, and so their respect for him went down and down and down. And he, no doubt, with, uh, with this uh, uh, trial with Jesus, we'll see, he doesn't really want any part of it, and, and part of that might have been because Rome got reports every time these things happen. And he had to be concerned that one of these times it's going to be the end of my career if they think I can't control this little weak province. So, as we look at the, pack, uh, the, the passage, understand that that's what had been going on for years, so when we see this kind of disrespectful speaking toward him, you can see that's why they were emboldened to be able to talk with him that way. Verse 28, um, it says, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. And I want you to put that uh, that latter part uh, about them not going inside because uh, they couldn't eat the Passover, put that on a side burner. But it might have been because uh, they, they felt that there was something inside his home that would have tainted them. Uh, the Passover feast was ongoing. Jesus had already celebrated the Passover, but, but there were often a number of times when you could partake and uh, whether they thought, well, there's going to be yeast inside, uh, inside there and we would be tainted and couldn't take, we don't know. But just put that on a sideburn. We're going to address that more in a minute. Um, but notice it says that they, um, uh, they, they didn't go in because uh, um, it would have made them so they couldn't continue the, the Passover feast. Okay, moving on, verse 29. So Pilate went outside to them and said, by the way, as a governor, he could have said, you want to talk to me, you, you approach me. But he didn't have that kind of power any longer. So he went, he went out to them uh, and said, what accusation do you bring about this man? Pilate is here, he's wondering um, what are you bringing this guy to me this early in the morning? Um, he didn't want to rule on one of their little religious disputes. He didn't want to get involved. And, and in a way, he, he was right. This, uh, you know, he sensed this, this is going to be a no-win thing for me. But he thought, in all likelihood, since... They'd had a couple of trials with uh, the priests that this is some kind of a theological dispute, and I I don't deal with with that kind of stuff. Here's here's their response. They answered him, and here's where I see disrespect. If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. 
So instead of respectfully saying, uh, would you please deal with him? Why would we bring him to you if he wasn't an evildoer? You see that, that kind of disrespect um, that they, they had for Pilate. They're, they're basically saying, what do you think? You, you think we just bring anybody to you? Verse 31, Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. So he's trying to get out of it, uh, verse 31. And again, I suspect he's thinking, oh, this, I don't want to get mired down in this in the middle of Passover, their religious holiday. Um, he, he was actually only there because uh, so many people were in town. He didn't live there all the time. Um, but uh, no doubt he thought, this is not, a, not a, um, going in a good direction. And then he finds out the real reason. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Now he got it. That was true. They couldn't put anyone to death. They hadn't even mentioned that before, though. And now he realizes they're, they're, they're wanting to get me involved in an execution here. Verse 32, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So, um, for us to understand um, why he was willing to try Jesus and uh, what, to understand what Pilate said next, it, it's helpful for us to go to a parallel passage in uh, another one of the Gospels. Uh, not all the Gospels, they're parallel, but all of them don't have all of the conversations. Uh, they're not all recorded. You put them all together and you get the fullest picture of uh, the conversations that took place. But if we look over in uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 2, this also was said. Uh, they began to accuse him. This was in, in front of Pilate. They began to accuse him saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So that was part of it as well. Now think about that statement. Uh, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. Why would they be so upset about that? This guy told us not to pay taxes. Like, like they would turn him in for that. It's ridiculous. It's a, and, and it was a lie, by the way. Because we know when he was, uh, they, they attempted to pin him down on, should we, should we pay tribute to Caesar? What did he say? Yeah. Give him what's his. Give God what's his. So, they're, you know, they're lying. Um, and, and then they say, that he, he is saying that he, he is the Christ, a king. So that helps us understand why 
when we go back to John 18, verse 33, says, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Uh, you know, if you just read it in John, it almost comes out of the blue. Why do you ask him that? But uh, Luke helps fill that in. They had already said he says he is. And so he was basically saying, is it, is it true what they are saying? Verse 34, Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say t- to you about me? Now, here's what I want you to notice about this. Who's in charge here? This is often, often this is called Jesus before Pilate. You know what we have here? Pilate before Jesus. Jesus is absolutely in control here, and he's, he's even the one doing the, the questioning here. Clearly showing his innocence, but moving, he's moving toward death, which was his plan all along to go to the cross to pay for our sin. And then Pilate answers evasively like he's trying to get out of something. Uh, Verse 33, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and, and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? So Pilate's saying, look, your, your own people brought you to me. What's the real story here? I mean, he could see that even their accusation didn't make a lot of sense. Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Now, when he says, my kingdom is not of this world, we should not interpret that to say he's not the king over this world. He is. He is the king of the whole universe. He created the universe. And so he indeed is the king over this world. What he's saying in interacting with with Pilate is, look, my kingdom isn't like your kingdom. He didn't say your tiny little kingdom or anything like that. But he said, My kingdom's not like yours. My kingdom, Jesus is saying, isn't established with with force and with the sword and with wars and with taxes. My kingdom is not established like your kingdom and like the kingdoms of this world. We sang earlier, lead on, O King Eternal. And in that we sang this, for not with swords loud clashing, 
nor roll of stirring drums, but with deeds of love and mercy the heavenly kingdom comes. See, that's, that's the difference right there. My kingdom isn't going to be established the way the world establishes all of their kingdoms, but it will be established. Jesus is assuring him, I'm, I'm not going to lead a rebellion against the Romans, regardless of what they're accusing me of. And then verse 37, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now, why do you think Jesus responded in that way? He's acknowledging his kingship, but he's distinguishing what kind of a king he is. It is to, to bear witness to the truth. Now, remember, earlier in his ministry, Jesus declared, I am the truth. Not just that I know the truth or I possess the truth or I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth or anything like that. He said, you're looking at the truth. One commentator said this. He was not, uh, his was not an empire of matter, but a realm of truth. His kingdom differed widely from that of Caesar's uh, Caesar's empire was over the bodies of men, Christ's over their souls. The strength of Caesar's kingdom was in citadels, armies, navies, the towering Alps, the all-engirding seas. The strength of the kingdom of Christ was and is and ever will be in sentiments, principles, ideas, and the saving power of a divine word. That's his kingdom. And so Jesus talks about the truth and then Pilate says, what is the truth? Now I want you to notice what he did next though. Pilate said, what is the truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. So here is Pilate asking mankind's most profound question and not even waiting for the answer. Can you picture it? The Jews are outside here. Jesus is over here. He's talking about the truth. And Pilate says, what is the truth? And walks out immediately. He had the truth right in front of him. He had the, 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 the full truth before him. And instead of, instead of pressing him, instead of saying, really, what is the truth? Aren't you the one that said you're the truth? What do you mean by that? He wasn't interested in Jesus' truth, he was only interested in his power or lack of it. 
whether he was really a king or not. That's all he cared about. What is the truth? Let's do some application here. First of all, let's go back to verse 28. It says, They themselves, this is the Jews, did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. Told you to put that on the side burner because of the, the irony, the hypocrisy of them worrying about getting tainted so they couldn't take the Passover and they are in the middle of the most vicious lying plot of all history. And that's their religion. They're worried about keeping the jots and tittles, the the, the uh, crossing of the T and the dotting of the I of their religion. I must take Passover. I don't want to be tainted by being around this Gentile in his home. They wanted to complete the outward thing, and that's the religion that God hates. Religion where a heart is far from God. And it must be a warning for us. It's got to be. Don't fall into the trap of thinking you've done something wonderful for God today by being in worship. It's good. We should be here. We need to be here. We will be blessed by being here. But don't think he owes you something because all we've done is fulfilled our calling by being here. And the only reason we're called here is by His grace. Don't let religious details get in the way of your relationship with Christ. And then, again, remember Pilate. As I mentioned earlier, Pilate was before Jesus. Jesus was absolutely in control. And this week, there's going to be something where you are going to feel like this is scary or this makes me nervous because I'm not in control here. You know what I always say to you? Control is an illusion. If you think you're in control, you're deluding yourself. But you know what? It's a good thing when we're a child of God because God is in control. And so 
when you this week hit that wall where you say, this is scary because I don't feel like I'm in control, just remind yourself, oh, wait a minute, I wasn't anyway. But the good news is, my Father who is in heaven is absolutely in control. There's not one moment when he is not. And then thirdly, uh, the ultimate question. Is it the truth? Pilate showed he wasn't really interested in the truth. The embodiment of truth was standing right in front of him. But he was only worried about his own power and any threats to that. I read in a, a commentary of, uh, this week about James Montgomery Boyce um, telling a story of being on an airplane. And the woman seated next to him uh, learned he was a Christian minister. And I just got to tell you, when, whenever it goes that way, I, I kind of go, oh boy, it's going to be a long flight here. <laughs> but, you know... And uh, she learned he was a, a minister. And so she started in. She began with her objections about Christianity. First she spoke about original sin and how it made no sense and how she would not accept it. Boyce just said, I see. But is it true? Then she moved on. We, she went on to object of the idea of judgment and hell and how uncivilized that concept was. And he said, I, I see how you feel, but is it true? And then finally, she talked about how distasteful everything in the, in the Bible was to her way of thinking. And Boyce began to open his mouth. He said, I understand. And she said, I know, I know. You're going to say... But is it true? And that's really the question, isn't it? The big question that, that we need to deal with is not whether I like everything I see going on. The big question is not whether I even like everything I read in the Scripture. Or I understand it. That's not the big question. The question is, is it true? And if it's true, then it's up to me to adjust to that, not to deny the truth. Jesus, who is the truth, still stands before us and offers himself. Let's bow together. Lord, will you um, show mercy on your people Help us always to be in pursuit of the truth, not as a thing, but, but the one who is the truth.
the Lord Jesus. Open our hearts to him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.